25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo, let's go. Hour number one of the show is underway. I'm a poet and don't know it. Welcome in on this Monday, Monday. I'm Matt, Matt Wyatt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown heroes, your local Farm Bureau insurance agent available to you in Every single solitary county in Mississippi, all 82 of them, have local Farm Bureau insurance agents right there that you can deal with one-on-one. Something comes up, you need to make a claim, you've had that fender bender, you need to change a policy, you have a question at 9.30 at night, pick up the phone, call them on their cell, text them, you're going to know them, they might live right down the street, it's somebody in your town. That's Farm Bureau. And here I am in your town via... Radio waves, that's how it works. And for some, streaming online. Hey, on your phone over there, your handy-dandy cell phone device from C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, customer-inspired. So hi to everyone on Twitter and Periscope. Streaming us over there, looking at me today, decked out in my country-pleasing sausage hat. Look at that big red hog. Look at him. That's a hog noise, in case you didn't know it. We were talking about sound effects earlier, and uh, that's my hog sound effect. <laughs> Check it out, though. Y'all text me on the Country Pleasing text line. It's 885-ESPN. Can y'all remember that number? It's simple. 885-ESPN or 885-3776 if you need the number. Hey, Kyle over on Facebook. He's watching the Facebook live stream, facebook.com slash... Radio Wyatt, we're streaming it live over there as we do just about every day. Kyle says, like that hat. Man, Kyle, you can get you one like it. You can get you one just like it. You go to uh, Country Meat Packers where they make Country Pleasing Sausage on Highway 49 in Florence, right on the highway. You don't even have to like, you barely have to even pull off the four lane and you're in the parking lot there. And mosey on in and get yourself a hat like this. And while you're there... I don't know, pick up some steaks. You won't believe everything that they have fresh in their butcher shop there at Country Meat Packers. Not to mention Country Pleasing Sausage. Here it is, 885-ESPN. That's the number to text. Going to open this phone line to you. It's the Divini Equipment phone line. It's 995-1059. Got it? Divini Equipment on Highway 51 in Madison on Spring Ridge Road. And Jackson, that's right. And uh, they are your Kubota dealer. As a matter of fact, they're the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. They've been doing it better longer than anybody else. And like I told you last week, this is still going on right now. At Divini, 
you can get 90 days no payments financing on all Kubota equipment. You want to go longer than that? Buy a Red Max or one of those right standing mowers. You know, the big commercial stand-up mowers. 150 days on Red Max and Rights with no payments. That's the financing options right now. Just a couple of them at Divinity Equipment. There's a number, 995-1059. What happened this weekend? Huh? <laughs> what in the world happened this weekend? Dad gummit, Vic. I mean, coach, come on. Vic Schaefer, women's basketball coach, Mississippi State. Had it rolling. Rolling. I'm talking rolling. Four and five-star recruits. Like national championship or bust expectations. A loaded roster coming back for next year with what they add in there and transfers and signees and Carter coming back and Taylor and... Gracious alive. Look at the roster on this team next year. Look, y'all want to hear the truth about this deal? Okay? Y'all want to hear the truth about it? Now, I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not playing this up for radio, but to tell you something that is an absolute 100% fact, and this is going to put pressure on whoever they hire. I believe, the fact is, I believe, (laughs) I could, I believe I could coach that team to the final four next year. That's the players on that team. There, I said it. Anyway, if I was any kind of radio host, I would have already looked it up. The uh, soundtrack, the song, Happy Trails, you know, it's kind of a cowboy Texas thing, right? Wasn't that Gene Autry back in the day who sang the Happy Trails to you until we meet again? Happy Trails, Vic. Appreciate the ride. We had a good time following your teams at Mississippi State. Now, boom. Nip it in the bud. On to the next one. Over here on the uh, Country Pleasing text line, I'll get you started right here. Ghost Pepper, who got the idea for his text name on this show. (laughs) I I know that's true because I'm the one that came up with it. See, Ghost Pepper, here's the deal. I come up with so few good ideas that I remember them, the ones that I have. Ghost Pepper says, Matt, please try to get Jim Ellis on your show. I really need to hear his voice. You know what? Doggone it. Ghost Pepper will do that. Now, I have no idea what Jim's up to or if he has any interest in doing a radio interview uh, with with me or if he's available or anything. But, you know, I can reach out and try. No guarantees. We'll see what kind of week he's got lined up. If he's got time for us, I'd love to hear Jim's voice, too. You're missing it? Man, yeah. Nick, on the country-pleasing text line, says, If we had to lose a coach, I'd rather it be Vic than Leach or Lamonis. Oh? Really? Explain that to me, Nick. Now, I'm not saying you'd want to lose either of the others, but just I'm just saying I'd, I'd like a little more uh, behind that. Okay, so if you're tuning in and you have... Uh, your internet went out, your television signal went out, uh, something like that. You know, your phone doesn't work. And so this, today you you slept until uh, 11.59 and you woke up and turned this on. Okay. 
Well, here's the news. Vic Schaefer, head women's basketball coach at Mississippi State, it was announced over the weekend, he's leaving to take the same job at the University of Texas. The University of Texas, with all its resources in his home state. Now, um, I would say, number one, congrats to Vic Schaefer. Being able to go home and work in your home state around people that you know, places that you know best, I would say a, a tip of the cap, and congrats on that. Congrats to him. Proud for him. I think, you know, there'll be a lot of folks will be pulling for him and for Texas. A lot won't. That's just the way it is. But good for him. You know, home state, that's appealing. Uh, whatever they're paying him, it's neither here nor there. Now, ultimately, if he has success at Texas, if they can figure out a way to beat Baylor, that's why they fired the previous coaches because she was like one in eighteen against Baylor. She couldn't beat Baylor. That's basically, I mean, she had stacked up, highly recruited uh, kids and top five signing classes at Texas and that kind of stuff. They couldn't beat Baylor. That's basically why she's out. So they hire Vic. He's gonna come in there and try to beat Baylor. And if he does, then maybe they pay him all kinds of money. They've got it at Texas, obviously. But at State, they were going to pay him whatever he wanted, basically. Whatever it took. So it wasn't a thing, uh, well, they're just going to pay me more money. i got to go. No, it wasn't that. They've talked about it's a chance for him to go home. But look, listen, okay? I'm speaking to myself because I, I had these thoughts yesterday afternoon. I'm talking to every single State fan listening. Listen. The real fact of the matter in all this is, yeah, it's a chance to go home, but I think for Vic Schaefer, even more than that, it's a chance to go coach basketball in one of the biggest, richest athletic departments in the country in a conference that is a whole lot easier to navigate than the one he was in. That's a fact, okay? We can talk about Baylor all we want to. Well, it wasn't Baylor that was number one in the country these past you know few years. It was South Carolina. Who's in the SEC? Okay. And, you know, outside of Baylor in the Big 12, what's the toughest women's basketball trip out there? What is it? It's Texas. All right. So this is about more than just going home. Okay. That's that's the truth also. So then it's about what's next and where does state go next. And I continue to hear a lot of buzz about you know, one of the uh, top assistants on Vic Schaefer's staff, which is um, Johnny Harris, who obviously is highly thought of in the athletics department and on the team and with current players and and all that. And that's one where, you know, if they go through the process and uncover all the possible candidates to look at all the very best possible candidates and she emerges, frankly, that would be no surprise whatsoever. You know, having coached for Vic Schaefer, familiarity with the current players and having helped to recruit them there, has a tremendous reputation as a recruiter. And you would think she would want to be a head coach in that situation because really any coach coming in, like I said, any coach coming in is going to have an immediate opportunity to coach that team deep into the NCAA tournament next year. And especially if you're a first-time head coach, well, then your career is off and running. And if you do have the recruiting chops, and you take your first team deep into the NCAA tournament, which they will, then you're off and running from a recruiting standpoint as well. So there's a lot to think about. However, knowing just a little bit about the way that John Cohen works is it's coast to coast, top to bottom, uncover every leaf, get as many interested 
names has been walking around with a list of names in his pocket already and guarantee you there's some that we don't know. Look at every hire he's made, which, by the way, my friend Caleb sent me something yesterday in a text message. I'm going to see if I can pull this back up because this is his math, but I trust it. He says State has a grand total of four head coaches not hired by John Cohen. Now, when did John – we could count it up, couldn't we? When did he get the uh, – was it four years ago? So is it – trying to think. Or was it five years ago that he got the AD job? Because we could count it up with baseball, right? You could go one year of Canizero, one year of Henderson – and then how many years for Lamonis now? Two or three years? This, was this Lamonis' second or third year? It was his second. So four years ago. So, <laughs> so you think about it. In the short time that John Cohen has been the athletics director at Mississippi State, he's hired a new coach, at least one new coach, in every sport except for four of them. There are only four coaches on campus right now that weren't hired by John Cohen sometime in the last four years. Matt Roberts, the men's tennis coach. Daryl Greenan, the women's tennis coach. Ginger Brown Lamb, the women's golf coach. And Ben Howland, the men's basketball coach. So those four hired by previous ADs. Greenan, the women's tennis coach. And Brown Lamb, the women's golf coach, were hired by Greg Byrne actually before Scott Strickland. So that, those are your most tenured coaches on your campus right there. Head coaches anyway. So, I mean, again, you have plenty of coaching hires by John Cohen to look at. From football and Moorhead and Leach. Look back on those. Let's back up. We know the end results. Okay, but back up. When John Cohen has done a coaching search, let's look at football. In the first month, well, that's not fair because the first coaching hire was quick, but let's just say in the first two weeks of the coaching search after Dan Mullen left, which everything happened quickly in that two weeks, how many of y'all were talking about Joe Moorhead early on in the process? All hands down, because nobody was. This past time when Joe Moorhead was fired, how many of us were talking about Mike Leach in the early part of the process? Okay, and I know that things kind of went through Joe Judge, and he might have been your coach if the Giants hadn't hired him. But at no point was anybody talking about Leach as a strong candidate. Well, not only was he a strong candidate, he was throughout. You see, so... I think with John Cohen doing a coaching search, we all better be really careful locking down on names that we think are obvious or that we're hearing through the grapevine. Because you can't... I mean, tell me the times that things have happened that way in a coaching search with John Cohen. That's right, they haven't. All right, here we go. Text line, country please and text line. I'm going to go back to Nick real quick. Poet, don't know it. Rhyme every time. Nick says, if we had to lose a coach, I'd rather it be Vic than Leach or Lamonis, to be honest. I said, well, explain that. So he says, I'd rather not lose any of the three, but let's be honest. It's football first, then baseball. Replacing Vic and still winning games is much easier than the other two, in my opinion. Appreciate your opinion, Nick. You know, women's basketball became a revenue sport. Under Vic Schaefer. This past year, they averaged over 7,000 per home game. 
more than a thousand per game than the men's team. You know, previous years, the Victoria Vivian's years, you're putting eight, nine, ten thousand in there. Women's basketball became a revenue sport. Will it continue to be a revenue sport? Ernest T on the text line, country pleasing text line, 885 ESPN. He says, I agree with Nick. Yeah, I'll say what most of the fan base is thinking. Let's be honest. When Leach and Lamonis get rolling, uh, women's hoops will be an afterthought. See, I disagree with that. I don't think it'll be an afterthought. I think this, it, it, this uncertainty in women's basketball for the first time in a little while is really weird for everybody. Sure, and there are questions of, hey, will this actually help men's basketball attendance? I mean, you know, all that remains to be seen. But I think you're past the point of it becoming an afterthought. I really do. I mean, it would take a lot of losing. And with the players they have on the team, if they all don't up and leave overnight, you're not losing a bunch of games anytime soon. Jason in Flagstaff said, yep, Schaefer wants to win national championships, plural. You're right. And all the resources in the world in Texas uh, to chase it. And frankly, look, at a place where it's not supposed to be as difficult. It's not supposed to be as difficult to win national championships in Texas, right? Why? Because they have all the money. Really? Well, why haven't they won a bunch of championships in a bunch of sports? You know why? Because to a certain degree, there's a threshold of money where you've everybody's got enough. Now, there are certain schools under that threshold. They don't have enough Southern Miss. But these SEC schools, these Division I schools, they've all got enough. Sure, they don't have as much as Texas, but they've got enough. And you can't buy wins or championships. Oh, Matt, well, you can buy recruiting classes. Okay, well, show me the ones who don't. So you can't buy wins or toughness. And Texas is a place where if Vic Schaefer's going to win a national championship, he's got to fight through not the Big 12. He's got to fight through the University of Texas because the University of Texas, by and large, overall and certainly athletically, since Vince Young sprinted into the end zone against USC, has underachieved on every front. The best basketball coach they've had in a long time is coaching at Tennessee right now. The best football coach they've had in a long time is coaching at North Carolina right now. They underachieve and underachieve and underachieve and underachieve at Texas over and over and over again year after year. Why? Matt, they got so many people. It's a huge state and the big brand and the burn orange and the hook them and all the money. Why do they underachieve so much? I'll tell you why. It's because that's the atmosphere they put around themselves as the big dog in the Big 12. They made a decision many, many years ago. We, Texas, will not share revenue equally in this conference with the other teams. We are Texas. We are the big dog. We will get our own share of the revenue. Y'all can have the crumbs. And it weakened the Big 12. What are the... Power Five conferences. Who's the weakest Power Five conference? It is the Big 12 in everything. You know why? Because all the other teams are crumbs around the table. Why is the Big 12 no longer 12 teams? Nebraska, Colorado, because of Texas. 
Texas, because of its arrogance and pomp, has been standing on the neck of its own conference for years. And it has weakened its own conference for years. While Texas sat back in the recliner and ate steak and got fat. Because it's easy. And they got lazy. Now they're in a weak conference. They don't have to overachieve to get through their conference. And they run up against national competition. And then they underachieve. Because they are fat and have been in their recliner underachieving for years and years. So Vic Schaefer at Texas does not have to fight through a tough conference to get to where he wants to go the way he did in the SEC. He's got to fight the atmosphere and the whole stigma of Texas. The most gigantic, bloated, fat and happy underachievers in America. Just getting started with you on a Monday in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. On the show, Beaver, are you back? I'm back. Hey, Beaver! (laughs) What's up? Good old Beaver. The man with the plan. Y'all call the Divinity Equipment phone. Divinity Equipment, Madison and Jackson, 995-1059. You get that, hear Beaver's voice on the other end of the line. And, I mean, that right there is enough to make your day, especially when you're at home and quarantined and sheltering in place. You're in a place and you're sheltering. You just need to hear a friendly voice. Well, that's Beaver. Y'all call him on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. All kinds of texts on the country, please, and text line. All kinds of... Cool comments and smart comments and interesting comments and questions on the Facebook feed over here, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. And I'm getting to those, but first I have news because I want to. We're not playing the Masters this week in Augusta, Georgia, like everybody wanted for obvious reasons. Coronavirus. But they are going to play it. We got Masters news, and I... Am tickled. All right, I got to calm it down though. It can't be all rowdy and like, yeah. 
fist pumping and hooting and hollering with Masters music playing. You can't do that. In a joint statement, the PGA Tour, USGA, RNA, PGA of America, and Augusta National Golf Club uh, clarified today what golf's going to look like for the rest of the year in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. The short answer is that three of the four annual majors will be played, with those three shifting to different dates than originally scheduled. After the Masters and the PGA Championship were postponed, there were questions about what they would do. Would they be played at all? Whether the U.S. Open in June and the Ryder Cup in September would be affected. So today's release answers all those questions. Here they are, the new dates for the biggest events of the year. The PGA Championship. Previously held in May, will take place on August the 6th through the 9th. The U.S. Open, previously held in June, will take place on September 17th through the 20th. The Ryder Cup, the Ryder Cup, previously held, uh, well, whenever they, they say previously held, you know, it happens every so often, every few years. It's going to be on September 25th through the 27th, Whistling Straits. And the Masters... supposed to happen right now November the 12th through the 15th a November Masters there it is they've played the thing 83 times since the first one in 1934 of course Tiger won it last year let's see the only Masters that didn't end in April was the first one, which ended in late March, and then after that they had one, uh, let's you know the event was cancelled from 43 to 45 because of World War II so they've scheduled this thing for mid-November I'm talking, think about that, two weeks prior to Thanksgiving two weeks before Thanksgiving they're in the heat of the SEC football schedule, we hope you also are going to have the Masters going on in Augusta, we hope. Anyway, thought I'd pass that along. Does that music not make you feel good? Whew. I saw a thing, you know how Facebook gives you these flashbacks, and uh, there was one that reminded us, my wife and I, of our trip two years ago to the Masters. Or was it three years ago? Heck, can't remember. It was the year that Patrick Reed won it. So it'll be two years ago? Shoot, man. I think so. Anyway, it reminded us of our trip recently. We got to go for Saturday, Sunday. It was awesome. And uh, I sent her the link to that, you know, the Masters theme song so that we could be all nostalgic about it earlier. Yep. Hey, all right, here we go. Country Please and text line. Jay in Baltimore. Can you provide the closest comparison in any sport to Vic Schaefer leaving Mississippi State for Texas. I have a hard time coming up with a coach who left a top five program where everything was absolutely rolling in all aspects for a school that is clearly in a less attractive situation. No issues with a coach at a small school leaving for a big-time job. This one's just a little unique in my perspective. Well, Jay, I mean, okay, so you have the whole thing of he's from Texas. And look, I mean, I think they have the biggest and one of the most wealthy athletic departments in the entire country. They have a 20,000-seat basketball arena. 
And they've been averaging, what, maybe three, 4,000 people for the women's games. Well, if he does out there what he did here, what are they going to do? They're going to have 15,000, 16,000 people coming and watching their games like South Carolina uh, at Texas? Well, maybe. You know, so I think it's more about potential. And, and you know, coaches are wired a little differently than others. Now, the only problem I had in the whole thing was – during the middle of this uh, quarantine and shelter in place across the country and social distancing for everybody, we have like five individuals, three members of, you know, Vic and his wife and daughter and like a couple of three members of the Texas AD department all hugging, doing the hook'em thing. I'm like, y'all supposed to be six feet apart. I mean, fine, pose for a picture, but not that one. Not right now, <laughs> but whatever. <clears throat> Who cares at this point? Slippery when Rhett said, State baseball has proven it doesn't really need a stellar or even pre- uh, present coach to excel. Schaefer gave MSU a dominant team and a significant revenue stream. What are women's basketball attendance numbers versus the men's team? Huge loss. Well, and I mentioned that earlier. Just use this past season for an example. State's men averaged over 6,000 per game that was paid the women average like just a hair under 8,000 a game that's paid but we know there was big crowds for women's games over the past few years Ernest T says I'm not saying the girls are going to start losing but when baseball and football start winning it will change wins sell tickets period no matter what the sport is that's one of the impressive things, too. You think about what Vic Schaefer built in terms of the following for women's basketball at State, 10,000 people in there for women's games. It was during a very successful time for football and baseball. Back-to-back trips to Omaha, you know, at the end of the Mullen stuff, first year under Moorhead, they win eight. Yeah. Jason says, uh, see, he says, I'm not sold on Leach winning enough to distract from State losing a national championship-level coach. He said, I don't care what the stats from Wazoo or Texas Tech say. Anybody in the big or Pac-12 has a defensive line half as good as the SEC West teams, and you're right about that. You are exactly right. You cannot find one in either of those two conferences where three or four or five guys are putting their hand down and coming after you the way it happens in the SEC West. I'm sort of speaking from experience there. Um, unnamed Texter says, nice, nice monologue about the University of Texas. Randy says, does Cohen have a press conference scheduled? Not that I know of, no. I'll get an email or something at what point there are any press conferences scheduled to discuss that stuff. Now, there may be a press gathering as he gets ready for you know, the the search into the next coach and that kind of thing, but press conference. I guess it's the same thing, but you know what I mean. Steve on Facebook said, another sad day in Stark Vegas. Lane said, I think Vic had a losing record against Kentucky's coach slash team. Yeah, Matthew. What's his name, y'all? What is his name? He's from Mississippi. He's from Louisville. He's the head coach at for Kentucky's women's team. His first name's Matthew. Why can't I remember that? 
Waylon, I was talking about Texas been standing on the neck of their own conference for years and years, and Waylon says, yeah, but they have – oh, you're talking about Alabama. Okay, so he's res, he's responding here. They're talking about Alabama on the Facebook feed. Waylon said, like, Alabama with the SEC. Gale responded and said, but Alabama's a winner, mostly football, though. And then Waylon said, yeah, but they've been standing on the neck of the SEC. But how, Waylon? My tangible example is revenue sharing. Texas does not have an equal revenue sharing deal with the other members of its conference. If you're in the Big 12 and just use a nice round number, okay, you're in the Big 12, they have 10 teams. And let's just say they get bowl revenue of $10 million for 10 teams. Well, they don't pass out a million bucks to all 10 teams. Equal revenue sharing like they do in the SEC. No, Texas keeps whatever it wants, and they give they throw a few crumbs around a percentage here and a percentage there to those other teams. So it is much different. Alabama is not at all uh, a similar example with this conference to what Texas is in that conference. That's it. Thank you for the reminder, my friend. It's Matthew Mitchell. That's it, Matthew Mitchell. Hey, and that's a great idea. Since the Masters is going to be on the weekend of the 14th of November, we probably ought to look at the schedule and see what SEC games are going on that weekend, the second weekend in November, to see what they'll be up against and what you'll be up against as a sports fan when all that does eventually happen. Seems like this show is flying by so far. We're already heading up into the last part of hour number one. Hour two coming up later. We're going to have Charlie Winfield on and talk about Vic Schaefer and what's next. Y'all stick around. Back on the show. As I mentioned to you a little bit ago, just a heads up, to start us off at the top of hour two. So in, oh, 15 minutes, really about 20 minutes from right now, uh, we'll chat with Charlie Winfield. Charlie is uh, an attorney in the Starkville area, but he's also the color analyst on the radio for Mississippi State women's basketball and uh, has been for several years. He was uh, a part of all of it. Uh, and there are runs into the Final Four in recent years. And so we're going to talk about this with Charlie coming up. Vic Schaefer out, new coach in. Who's the new coach going to be? Who are the candidates? What do we know? What's my name? Where am I? What day is it? All that kind of stuff coming up on the Divinity Equipment phone line. A lot to get to. Yes, it, uh, thank you all for the uh, heads up there. There's Matthew Mitchell, who's the coach at uh, Kentucky. I just, you know how that is. Sometimes you just draw a complete blank. So I uh, appreciate all the text and that kind of thing on that. Jay on the country pleasing text line, 885 ESPN, followed up and said he's not in a better position to win a national title today in Texas, not even close with the talent coming back. And I agree with that. Who, you know, if this team at state stays together with what they have coming back next year, um, like I said, I, there are a lot of people that could coach them into the Final Four. 
Jay said, I get it. He has his reasons, but he certainly took a step backwards if title is the goal. And FYI, Vic ain't no spring chicken. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's uh, for sure. But, I mean, ultimately, are any of us, Jay? <laughs> Let's look here. Jason sent me a graphic. He said he found this the other day because somebody was suggesting that state should just chunk money around. It said this was 2015 and 16 SEC overall athletic department budgets. Um, state's in a pretty good position from a profit standpoint, but overall budget revenue versus expenses, their expenses were next to last ahead of Missouri. They don't have much, they don't have a number here for Vanderbilt. It states expensive next to the bottom and their revenue at the bottom just 3 million less than Missouri. Uh, they were at 94 million in revenue, Missouri at 97. Um and then you know, you look at profit. State was in a pretty good position back then. Uh, for where they were, they were sitting there at, uh, what, 10 million profit, Ole Miss at 13, Tennessee at 12, Alabama at 18, and then you had some others that were less than that. You had Georgia at 7 million profit, they had big-time expenses, big-time revenue, but very little profit as compared to other SEC teams, 7 million profit at Georgia back in 2015-16, and then the, the least amount of profit, so, you know, whatever you bring in versus what you spend, were Kentucky and South Carolina. Kentucky with $4 million and South Carolina with five. and m by far, the most uh, revenue, did not have the largest expense total. That would be Alabama. So even though, like, the top two in revenue, Alabama, $164 million, A&M, $194 that's a $57 million profit for A&M. Nobody else in the SEC back then was even close. A&M sleeping giant just shows you money can't buy you wins and can't buy you titles. There is a threshold where, you know, you hit it and you got enough to win. It's just a matter of do you or don't you. I think that's what that illustrates. Speaking of winning, I got to bring something up to you. Since everybody's missing baseball, me, I've been watching those classic games on the Major League Baseball Network. I recorded on my DVR the Braves win over the Pirates in the 92 playoffs with Sid Bream sliding across home plate to give the Braves a win and Chip uh, Skip Carey going, Braves win! Braves win! He had to catch his breath and all that kind of stuff. I, yeah, all that. Okay, so this excited me when I saw it today, and I'm bringing it to you here on the show because it's going to give you a warm fuzzy if you're a baseball fan. On this day in 1999, Turner Field, Atlanta. It's now the football stadium for Georgia State. <laughs> right across from the parking lot that used to be Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Man, things have changed. All right. Get with it, Matt. On this day in 1999, Turner Field, Greg Maddox pitching for the Atlanta Braves. But it wasn't, in this case, what he did with his arm. The Braves beat the Phillies in that early season game in Atlanta. Beat them 11-3 behind Greg Maddox, but what he did at the plate is what stood out. 
Greg Maddox, in the same inning, the Braves had a had an eight-run fourth inning. Early in the inning, Greg Maddox singled a two-run single. And then later, as they batted around, Greg Maddox stepped back to the plate for his second at-bat of the inning. I hit the wrong button. Here it is. Mets hammering the Marlins tonight, 9-6 in the sixth. There's a drive into left field. It's well hit. It's gone. Oh, there you go, Skip. You wanted to see his trot. Check it out. How about that, as Mel Allen used to say. Hey, it's hard to get him to smile on the field. And if that's what it takes, I'd like to see it again. He had a big grin on his face when he rounded third. There was no doubt about it. He hit the daylights out of that ball. Ron Gant knew it. By the way, we should point out that he's just tied for the team lead in home runs. <laughs> Boy, Joe. <laughs> Joe Simpson and the late, great Skip Carey. That was fantastic. All right, and so the trivia on that, for you baseball nerds, hand up. So that was in 99, okay? Maddox, two hits in the same inning, a single, a two-run single, and then a solo home run in the same inning, part of an eight-run inning. They beat the Phillies 11-3, early April game there on this day, April 6, 1999. Maddox became the first pitcher at that time since Todd Stottlemyre in 96 to get two hits in one inning. So it happened in 96 and happened in, in 99. Pitcher, two hits, same inning. You think that's something that does not happen very often. Well, I don't know how many times it happened in between. I couldn't find the stat. But I looked it up, and it happened last year. Steven Strasburg, last year, July of 2019, two hits in one inning, including a 420-foot home run in a 13 to 4 win over the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. You think, well, was Maddox the guy who was the last one to do it before Strasburg did it last year? No. Some guy named Edwin Jackson did so for the Diamondbacks against the Pirates in 2010. He had a homer and another base hit in the same inning. So it's happened a bunch. And, you know, there's a 20-year, no, wrong, Matt, wrong, 10-year. Do the math, you idiot. There was a 10-year period of time between when Maddox did it and when Edwin Jackson did it in 2010 for the Diamondbacks. So there's probably some more in there. You know, about 10 years because all these things happen close. You would think it's more rare than that. Anyway, thought I'd point that out. Man, I love hearing Chip Carey's voice. God. I'm going to tell you what, man. There's several things in my childhood. And look, you're listening to this show right now, and you're rolling your eyes, and you're like, Matt, we got one more minute to the break. Can you not get through it and just get us to the Charlie Winfield interview without having to go back and reminisce about listening to the Braves on TV and playing your sound clips and doing your chop-chop and all that? I mean, can you not get through it? No, I can't. The only reason I'm not playing it for you right now is I can't find it on my soundboard. 
It's on here somewhere. I want to hear Chip Carey's. Get it right, man. I want to get Skip Carey's voice one more time. Mets hammering the Marlins tonight, 9-6 in the sixth. There's a drive into left field. It's well hit. It's gone. Oh, there you go, Skip. You wanted to see his trot. Check it out. How about that, as Mel Allen used to say. Hey, it's hard to get him to smile on the field. And if that's what it takes, I'd like to see it again. He had a big grin on his face when he rounded third. There was no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I think I have time. I, I got to go real fast. This was the Braves intro on, growing up, watching them on TBS. Back goes Nixon to the wall. He caught it. Unbelievable. Kiss this one goodbye. It's a slam. That's it. That's it. Ah, the memories. I'm going to talk to a Yankees fan coming up, my friend Charlie Winfield. We'll talk a little Vic Schaefer, women's basketball, and what are they going to do? What are we going to do? Isn't that what they said on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Delmer said they turned Pete into a toad, and then the toad started hopping through the stream down there at Delo Water Park where they filmed it. He said, what are we going to do? <laughs> Everybody calm down. It's going to be fine. Hour two of the show coming up. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.